Six World Music. Gary Six World Music. Gary Six World Music. Six World Music. Six World Music. Alright, hello and welcome to Gary's Sixth World Music, the podcast about everything weird, wild, and esoteric. Well, we are deep in the bowels of August, guys. There's no escaping August at this point, but I ask, why should you? When we've got um, September and October right around the corner. Up your button around the corner. Um, Anyway, the Summer Music Contest is here, by the way. The long wait is over. Um, I'm working on doing a deep dive on it. But in the meantime, I've got another extra special episode for you guys where I talk to the one and only User Doggy Styles. We'll find out about what makes him tick and what makes him sixth. World music, that is. But before we do any of that, we gotta hear some of those tasty tunes from this week. Alright, so let's start at uh, number four, let's say. Um, this is User Mustard Gap with the artist Zom Zoms and the title Nervous Zom. He described this as minimal neo wave. Or sorry, minimal neo new wave. <laughs> it's important the neo new, because uh, that's new new wave. Okay, so let's take it away. Let's listen to some Zom Zoms. In the portal party, life says occupied by. After lights have changed and watching at the bus stop, watching the pigeons. Nervous, nervous, so nervous, caving in and retreating from my cute scene. lying every chance I get about the most stupid items. Nervous, nervous, nervous. Getting up, then sitting down again, then getting up, then sitting down again. Nervous, nervous, thinking bad things when I have an erection in the pew. Looking up at the woman's hair that looks so purple. Nervous, nervous, asking questions about angels while looking at the crucifixion. Nervous, nervous, when I'm eating chocolate champagne cake. And when I go to the restroom at the ballpark, nervous, nervous. When I'm looking at the money, when you're looking into my face, nervous, nervous. Oh yeah, very relatable song there. <laughs> also, purple hair. Uh, this is what in 2003. Uh, purple hair is pretty popular now. That's pretty interesting. But anyway, I love Zomzoms. Uh, for many reasons. One is that they remind me a little bit of this other band called Yip Yip. Because they're both from the early 2000s, and they're both clearly fans of Devo. I feel like like they're like this alternate dimension that's encroaching into ours where where punk becomes this like intersection of synth and new wave, and everybody's like doing Devo, um, that would be great. Uh, <laughs> but now Zom Zoms are from Austin, Texas, 
they described their own genre as Zolo or Zonk, but um, instead of going into their uh, into their biography, why don't I read you what they have to say about themselves in their own apocryphal biography, um, riddled with inaccurate dates and details. So here we go. Here's what they have to say. <laughs> so Zom Philnapster and Zom's Frenchman have been living and making music together for the last seven years. I, I don't know when this was written, so I have no idea when seven years ago was from that date, but whatever. So Zom, a retired encyclopedia salesman, met Zom's when he took a job as a delivery, a pizza delivery driver. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed with the similarity of their first names, the two became fast friends and soon discovered their common love for the musical arts. Moving in together was a logical choice, and it allowed Zom and Zoms to dedicate themselves almost exclusively to music and delivering pizza, which they now do freelance. The results of the move-in lie within the first Zom Zom CD, Lumbaba's Tube, available at instinctorecords.com. Um, Lumbaba's Tube, that's the one that I heard, I remember, uh, in like late 2000s? So I was a little late there because that was 2003. Uh, so this compiles the duo songs from six years of four-track tapes. Okay, so then... <laughs> it's at least in the 90s. Uh, so the record deal with Instincto was arranged by Zom's cousin, Philip Filmapster, who became their manager soon after receiving a Zom Zom's cassette by accident. Zom and Zom's moved to Tuba City, Arizona, a place they considered home. For a year, following the release of Lumbaba's Tube, they did so to avoid the cult following generated by the album. <laughs> in December 03, however, Zom and Zoms moved back to Austin in, res in response to Phil's pleading. <laughs> um, Philip, was now <laughs> Philip now joined the band for its live performances and played synthesizers on its recordings. Zom Zoms have toured most of the USA, except North Dakota. Sorry, North Dakota. They performed at South by Southwest and CMJ Music Festivals in 2005 and 2006. They were banned from Canada in one year in 2005. In, yeah, okay. Uh, shortly thereafter, Zom and Zom's freelance pizza delivery gig was absorbed by AAA Acme Pizzas Incorporated, run by Seth Nemec. Taking the band under his wing, Nemec also joined the band on performances and recordings. More touring occurred. Then, citing all the usual reasons, the band broke up. <laughs> That's the end of their biography. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> See? Zomzoms. That's all you need to know, man. Okay. So, now let's talk about our number three pick. This is from me, user CureBDC. With the song, uh, Corner Boy, by Suryuzmo and MC Ramon, also known as Romano. I describe this as German acid electro house rap. So let's check it out. On the corner making all my dough hang on my black with a white feet on. Yeah, I jumped in my biggest football jacket. Old school, yeah, me suckers of this the damn cool. Spanish shades, black locks, khaki slope, and front jump host doing a hot show. Bumping, always into something. Reach for the trunk, get a pump, and watch this. Uh, don't fuck with my team. Even my bitches kill us with 16. Innocent look back, black 19, 4 or 8 night with a infrared beam. Look at me, I'm just a bad boy flossing. 5 0 hit the spot way too often. I've been elite, I grab my shit, reload, cock back, stick your back, cat, make a sick. Money, bitches, guns, I got VIP status in the streets and I fall Everywhere I look, they paint my name on the wall Control my demons, get us the crawl, it's the law Yeah, I do what I want, do what I like No fist fight, two gets 
bless shots to the head You can think no more with shots in the head I'm a corner boy, hang on the block with my platinum voice I keep the spot hot when you do too much you get shot I'm a corner boy, hang on the block with my platinum voice I keep the spot hot when you do too much you get shot Well, I'll be honest. I wanted to talk more about Suryuzmo and MC Ramon, so I worked it into the top four. Uh, really, it didn't get upvoted enough to, to qualify for that. But you know what? Who's gonna stop me, guys? You? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, now Suryuzmo is this electro producer from Germany with a penchant for nursery rhymes and impeccably made, but strangely themed, music. He flirts with being mainstream, right? He's a dude that you can throw on with your fist pump and EDM, bro, and he'll be like, This is sick, bruh. But secretly, you and him know it's weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> adding to the theme, you also got this guy MC Ramon, um, a.k.a. Romano. He's a fellow German guy, and uh, he raps. <laughs> uh, but what's odd is that MC Ramon... He, he has this, like, love for 90s gangster, like, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre type stuff. Um, but he looks kind of like this... <laughs> I'm sorry, MC Ramon. But he looks kind of like this, like, grandpa or something. He's got long hair. He, uh, he looks kind of old. I don't know how old he is. It's just an interesting look, man. <laughs> um... And also, he doesn't do the um, gangster rap stuff on a lot of stuff, but this is like a caricature. It's, it's awesome. But the thing is, is that he pulls it off so damn well. It sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, now, none of this should work together, right? Electro, like, odd electro the, that Suryozma does over straight-up gangster rap German style. <laughs> it shouldn't work together. It's kind of like... Um, puzzle pieces that shouldn't fit together, but you're mashing them together. But the weird combo somehow comes out better in the end than its individual parts. <laughs> uh, so remember, Suryozmo and MZ Ramon, put them in your back pocket and throw them on at a dance party, because it's weird enough to have fun, but not weird enough to get you thrown out of the dance party. <laughs> I always request Suryozmo, like at any dance party, and uh, Everybody's happier for it. So there you go. All right. So now, uh, <laughs> I was immediately uh, informed that I need to throw on some severed heads, guys. Uh, so as per Gary's edict, here's severed heads with Psy Flea Rated R. This is Cut Up Experimental Industrial.
want to listen to that whole thing man it's, it's so good and i do suggest that you listen to that whole thing and all severed heads ever because they're amazing <laughs> so after that that last pick um i don't know i don't know what's up with gary today but he did not appreciate that uh so i'm gonna stick with uh with how i'm supposed to do things guys uh so i got a direct order to play some severed heads and so if you haven't noticed, that Gary's been enacting a brand new edict. So he demands that Severed Heads be played 24-7. But, you know, here's the thing. Severed Heads are awesome. They're great. So it's a good time to be marathoning Severed Heads anyway. Because, actually, after this tour ends, which is in September, that's in like 20 days or something, then Severed Heads are going to break up, according to them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, get into them and see them if they're playing around you. Like, uh, I know they're playing in like mid-September uh, in San Francisco. I'm definitely going to try to catch that if I can. Uh, see, Gary? See see how I'm, I'm, I'm doing right? I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Um, <laughs> so now, these guys, if you don't know, they're Australian, and they've been at it for a very long time, since 1979. Um, originally, they were called Mr. and Mrs. No Smoking Sign Go Cruising for Burgers. <laughs> uh, so they changed their name shortly after, but from the get-go, they experimented with tape loops and noise and industrial, um, all the all the classics, all the hits, all in one spot. That's Severed Heads. So founding member Tom Ellard had this to say about the name change. We were called Mr. and Mrs. No Smoking Sign, because that was really ugly. <laughs> then we wanted to fool people that we were industrial, and it worked. Severed Heads was a really dumb name, and so that's what stuck, forever. I hate it, by the way. <laughs> uh, it just seems so fun. So, uh, Severed Heads are kind of strange in every possible way. Um, they're industrial, yet poppy, yet dancey. Also melodic, and harsh and noisy, and all of that at the same time. Um, they're extremely hard to pin down. Um, and I'll be honest, at first I didn't get severed heads uh, a few years ago when I heard them. Um, but after repeated listenings, guys, um, it just rearranges your brain in the most delightful way. Everything starts to make sense. You know what I mean? Uh... <laughs> But if that doesn't do it for you, then just look at the album titles, guys. Rotund for success. Eh? No vowels? No bowels. 
<laughs> yeah, just if only just for that, for their great titles. Um, so let the edict never see scary, and go out and see severed heads if they're playing in your town. Okay. <laughs> now let's talk about our number one. Back to our real number one, guys. This is um, User the Friend Catcher with Ioannis Xenakis. So this is, he described it as stochistism and musique concrète. Also, hell yeah, this is a very good song. Haunting, beautiful, unpredictable, all stuff you could use to describe this guy. So, um, 
Modern 20th century composers are already out of control, right? But this guy especially, um, and he's a true badass. <laughs> um, one little tidbit about how he's a badass. So that, that song is for 109 musicians. To give you some idea of how weird that is, um, if you're a Mozart or a Beethoven, um, you write music for two to four musicians. Or an orchestra, but but 109 musicians is just out of control. Uh, good thinking. <laughs> so, uh, to understand why this guy is so badass, we have to really understand uh, his era. So I said 20th century composers, uh, so you can guess that, right? But he was born in 1922, and he was active, I would say, in about 1947 on. He uh, was a Greek-French composer, even though he was born in Romania, technically. And now, if you know anything about history at all, you know that that era in Europe and in Greece and France were pretty rough, right? Maybe the roughest in all of history. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So early on, as a teenager, I believe, he joined the National Liberation Front in Greece. Um, He protested the government at the time, and then pretty quickly he was uh, protesting the Nazis that were going on all around, Um, and so he joined up with the communists. During that time, he uh, had a tank explode next to him, so he was, you know, a part of, like, protests and everything, and uh, a tank exploded near him, and shrapnel from it hit him in the face, Now, this is where uh, normally the end of the story would be, but he managed to survive, but he did have a horrible scar, a disfiguring scar on his face for the rest of his life that kind of became his his look. I mean, what else are you going to do? It's going to be your look, right? Uh, But it's extremely lucky that he didn't die right there. Uh, (laughs) Now, around this time, too, he had to flee Greece due to a crackdown on the new from the new government because he was identified as a leftist and involved in the communist uh, protests. So he fled to France to avoid arrest. Now, to give you an idea about how serious this was, he uh, was sentenced to death, actually, by the administration, uh, meaning that if he returned, he would be executed. So he was basically tried and sentenced in absentia, meaning even though he wasn't there to receive his punishment, he was already convicted. That's pretty intense. (laughs) Uh, Now, if he was unlucky for being born in the time that he was, um, and having all of that going around him, then he was also lucky for the time period as well. Let me tell you why. So when he fled to France, uh, he went to Paris. So he actually rubbed shoulders with some amazing composers of the time. So Darius Milhoud, um, Olivier Messiaen. So actually, he um, studied under a lot of famous composers, but Messiaen in particular took a liking to him. Uh, Messiaen, I would say, was his early fan. And so Messiaen had some uh, advice to, to tell him, is that he told him to double down on atonality and use math and architecture in his music. He said basically because Greeks have a history of math, you know, and, and architecture, so he says you should go with your heritage. Which maybe is a little racist, saying that it's in his blood or something, but, but still, it's, it's, it's nice. Uh, <laughs> 
so this is what he ended up doing actually so he was famous for using um probability and stochastism basically the study of randomness so he would apply like like basically to be truly random right that means that you should have no greater chance of something happening or not happening next right and so that's his music it's unpredictable it's purposefully very unpredictable um and so to use this or to to apply this he used rule sets he used um algorithms all that stuff which actually leads him to later on you know in 50s and on from there he's a early adopter of computers and electronic music to perform these algorithms yeah pretty cool talk about forward thinking so all in all a very cool composer all right. <laughs> Whew. Okay. So we are actually, I think, due to time, we're going to talk about Doggy Styles' interview. So take it away, Doggy Styles. Okay. Well, enough about me then. Uh, I, I'm very curious about, about the story, actually, of. So you, you say you have 20 minutes whatever however long you want to take or however whatever you want to say yeah so like how did you get involved in six world music what does six world music mean to you how did it all come about because i think you are one of the one of the founders of the subreddit um uh-huh. right with tada or i'm not sure exactly <laughs> sure uh yeah great um that's a good question Thanks for asking, Chris. <laughs> I, uh, I'm happy to, you know, really glad to be here, really excited to be on your podcast. Uh, just to uh, set the record straight, I am not a founder of the subreddit. I um, joined probably within the first week, though. I think it was, you know, was uh, spamming the other music subreddits. And I was, I was at the point where I was pretty much giving up on the other music subreddit too, and we kind of saw this thing. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is uh, this place is uh, probably worth hanging out on." And uh, well, yeah, haven't uh, uh, have been disappointed so far. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, um, sorry to derail you already, but uh, do you know R slash uh, Weird Music? Or did you know about no. that? No. No. Okay. So no. It's interesting because. I don't know when they started exactly. I'm, I'm sure you could look at like the first post or whatever. But uh, so it's it's just r slash weird music. But it's interesting because it's totally dead and it's totally a different vibe than Sixth World music. <laughs> yes. Well, I believe that there's a good reason, like the <laughs> for the distinction. You know, but yeah. I'll leave it to the audience to solve. Yeah. I have a theory that I, I think that that adding the uh, the sprinkling of, of our patron Saint Gary does a lot for a direction. It gives us all a, a purpose, you know. But yeah. But also, like like we have a strong emphasis, of course, on industrial noise and and power power electronics and and uh, but also just like esoteric in general. But but there is a certain feel. You can sort of, you know. You can feel what six world music is and isn't you know it's like an understanding somehow <laughs> and it's not just weird it has to it has a certain other flavor to it which is fascinating 
But anyway, keep going with your story. Uh, but okay. any thoughts about that? I don't know. Well, uh, a lot to unpack uh, <laughs> with both of those questions. Let's talk. Let's do the first one. Um, so, uh, how did I get involved in six, six world music? And then we, then, then, uh, what is the, what is the what is nature the, of six world the music? The secret sauce. Yeah. That's the nature <laughs> of it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I guess it all started when I was five years old. Oh, wow. Yes. So <laughs> my dad, he had a music collection and a decent vinyl collection and a and, you know, pretty decent stereo, and he liked music, but his, you know, I mean, his tastes were, well, relatively pedestrian, and, you know, which is, I mean, forgivable, so because what are your sources for really interesting music in the 70s, right? It's, it's basically just what you get oh, yeah. by listening to your friends' collections and what's available on the radio, so, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, I mean, the, we... Creedence Clearwater, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, and Cream. you know that kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Who, Elton John, mm-hmm. Doors. You know what I'm talking about? Like oh, yeah. <laughs> the standard menu. Yeah. But really, the but the big kind of wake up moment for me was when my dad brought home Autobahn by Kraftwerk. Oh. And. He, yeah, so, you know, he put put this on, and this was a very, very, very different kind of thing. I never heard anything like that before, and it, you know, it sounded so, well, it was electronic. <laughs> it sounded futuristic. You know, we're talking 1974 here, right? Nice. So yeah, really, yeah. you know, it's like futuristic. My dad's telling me, yeah, they like to dress like robots, and, and they sounded like robots. <laughs> and I was thinking, like... You know, my five-year-old head, I like to think that they were robots. <laughs> Singing this music, and I mean, to be honest, I still don't mind thinking about them that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I would just, I was just captured by Autobahn. <laughs> it's also like, you know, it's like 20 minutes long. Entire journey, especially when you're when you're five years old, that's an lesson in lifetime. I just stare at the album art, which had the, this picture. It was pretty iconic. If people haven't seen it, they should Google it. Of the little VW Bug as it travels down this um, down the autobahn, oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about these robots who were driving in the car and singing about the autobahn. So it was it was great, and I was pestering my dad to play it. Uh, over and over, but you know, of course, like for my dad, the novelty wears off. He bans me from listening to it because he's very. <laughs> Wait, so he banned uh, you from listening to it for a while just because you. Well, okay. I wasn't allowed to use the stereo, right? Uh... I'm five, right? <laughs> he would have to accede to my demands, right? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, after a while, no more, right? No more. So, uh. Okay. So that's our part one, right?
never show my dad or my mom like stuff that I'm into, like the noise and stuff. Like, like they would just free. They, I mean, they wouldn't freak out. They just like wouldn't care and wouldn't understand it. It's just like a pointless thing. Uh, but so we've never bonded. I've I've always like secretly <laughs> I've secretly listened to music behind their back. Well, you know, that's kind of interesting that you bring that up because the you know, part two of this story is pretty much parallels your own experience. Okay. So maybe we should talk about that right now. Yeah. And part two. Uh, yeah, let's do a little bit of part two. So, so now we're fast forwarding to what the mid 80s. I'm 15 years old. <laughs> um, and so my exposure is still the, you know, popular music that's on the radio and interestingly at this time uh okay well my older brother had a bicycle route uh, excuse me he had a paper route mm-hmm. that he would do by bicycle but then it ended up he ended up taking over a bunch of other paper routes this is for the the times colonist which is a paper that's um uh, printed in victoria bc and we we lived at the time um near a town called sandwichton and he ended up taking over the paper route for the entire town of Sandston. And it was about over 300 houses that he would have to deliver to every day. And it was so overwhelming. And so he recruited me to help. And he was 16. And so he had a driver's license. Yeah. He could use my dad's truck. And so we would get up at like 4 in the morning to go and deliver these papers before school started. Um, and so they would have to listen to the radio, yeah. the 80s, mid-80s music on the radio um, <laughs> every day, right? Day after day. And it was endless. Uh, Madonna and Phil Collins, the bangles, right? Over and over and over. But it is the golden era of college radio, though. I was 15. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, So exactly. actually, so college radio actually plays into this story a little bit Okay, later. cool. Sorry, sorry, uh, stepping on your toes. See, no, you're already no, going no, no, no. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I'm telling this story. Uh, so anyway, so Chris, like, so it was, it was oppressive, and I couldn't, really just wasn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. There was a television show, so um, uh, videos were starting to come online, music videos at this time, and there was a show called Friday Night Videos. It was on like 11.30 at night, which was late enough in the evening so that they didn't have to completely censor the music videos. Mm-hmm. And some of them were a little bit racy, a little <laughs> bit like, this is before your time, but can recall uh, China Girl by David... But we if you oh, take yeah. a look at that video has like, you know, new girls running around on a beach or something. And, you know, so I was like, yeah. I like to watch Friday night videos. And it was, a you know, it was pr- pretty much standard fare, but, mm-hmm. but, but a little bit, a little one, just kind of one rank above the problem that you're getting. They're streaming at the, you know, from the local station. Yeah. Until... So I would watch it, and the nice thing is that I know everybody else would go to bed by this time, and so I used to get to watch it by myself. And there, there was this really surreal event that happened on this one Friday night when 
the regular host of the show um, wasn't there. And instead, they had these two new hosts. And they were dressed all up in, like, off makeup. And <laughs> they're being all strange. And they're essentially, I mean, it was a long time ago, but they were talking about how they, uh, I don't know, like how they basically were given this opportunity to fill in for the regular show. And they have this stable of videos to show. And they showed these crazy, surreal videos. Um, and it was, and so this is, you know, it's, it's for me, it's like rewinding all back to Ottawa. Now it's like doubling down because it's got the video too. A really, really intense, really, really powerful moment in my life, actually, was watching this half an hour of these people who seemingly looked like they'd hijacked the signal, right, and intercepted, you know, and delivered some pirate video show that included, awesome. so they played, they played Trans-Europe Express by Kraftwerk. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Rolly Pulley Fish Heads, I can't remember the people who did Rolly Pulley. Fish um, iconic for the mid-80s for weird video and song um ah, a couple others but the one that really was the standout the standout video was the residents so the residents they had these series of well they had the commercial album which came out kind of in the mid-80s and part of that they would have these one all the songs were one minute long like a commercial oh yeah 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 right uh -huh. So the commercial album, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. and and then they also put out a series like these one minute movies, the residents one minute movies. They have so if you Google for it, you can watch this series of of one minute videos that they have. These are you know I mean think about it being your first exposure to underground music is the residents, right? <laughs> and it's so strange, and they are walking around you know this they're having this ritual where they're dancing around a you know a pig's head that's on a stake and they're holding torches <laughs> and you know and then they cut in some surreal cartoon or there's a they have imagery of some corpse that looks like it's kind of been semi-transmogrified from a cockroach or something and it's all like cocooned up in silk and they're poking and prodding us. Like, <laughs> this stuff is so mind-blowingly strange. And so I actually thought, like, this is dangerous because my mom is the Bible thumper. And if she catches me watching this, this is very, very bad. Oh, like, she would think this is double music and I'm going to be in real, real trouble. <laughs> I was kind of not so sure myself. <laughs> I was wondering, like, is, is my... Like damaging my mind. Yeah, you're, 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 you're ruining your soul. Yeah, that's a hard one to to uh, explain. The residents are are yeah, deep dive. Talk about a deep dive. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 
The definitely residents are like, like to go from zero to the residents is a big move. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They kind of have a nursery rhyme sound yes. to them, but it's perverted and <laughs> sinister, right? Oh, oh yeah. That's kind of how I think about the res. Oh yeah, yeah. Nursery rhyme, sinister nursery rhyme. I think is pretty good. <laughs> Uh, but I was going to say, so I, my experience with the residents though is that I have no sense of what they were like in the eighties. So like, so they were underground, like, but people, they were recognized though. Like, like they were, yeah, yeah they were a thing that that's so cool. <laughs> they are, uh, one of the reasons for their popularity is because they were innovators of the music video with like uh, the one minute videos, right? Part three, here we go. I, I am on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so where I live was about 10 kilometers outside of Victoria. Victoria had the University of Victoria, and of course they have their broadcasting their university yeah. uh, radio station, which it was uh, nothing that I could never turn it in and tune it in except in this one circumstance, in this one evening, on a Saturday night, where I managed to tune in the university radio station, they just happened to be playing strange avant-garde, like about, you know, 15 minute sound collage. Ooh, yeah. uh, and, you know, so this is another mind for me, you know, cause I was just like, strange music, right? It's beckoning me, calling me. But I was like, again, I said, you know, I'm panicked because my mom, she, you know, can't catch me listening to this weird devil music. And we're listening on my little transition radio, transistor radio under my blanket, like under my pillow and stuff to try and like, in case my mom like would come to my bedroom or didn't catch me and ban me. But she did catch me eventually. Oh no. Because, yeah, well, it wasn't too long after that when I was in this, you know, the town, the city of Victoria, walking around and I noticed this uh, residence album. Uh, I think uh, Duck Stab oh, yeah. was on display in this little um, basement music store, right? Like a little a record store. Uh, awesome. Which I kind of, you know, like, because the, like their only window that they have is up to about your walking by it right so you normally wouldn't see what they have on display but for some reason i glanced at it because i'd walked past there probably a hundred times but this is kind of the first time i saw this the residence and i recognized it and i was like what so you know you know i like look both ways to make sure it's like for me it's like walking into like one of those you know adult video stores or something like that <laughs> yeah Go yeah in there and and try and look around and like and the proprietor is was this i think he might have been oh he reminded me of, of lux interior the front man for the cramps former oh uh, yeah, yeah. front man for the cramps <laughs> you know, cool. skinny menacing but also kind of like laid out kind of looks like heroin adult <laughs> a little bit you know what i mean one of these guys 
but an absolute authority in underground music. Yeah, record well, shop owners yeah. are, and like like people who work at record shops are just such badasses. It's oh, like yeah. kind of what I've always well, wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, it definitely was a um, yeah leader le leadership figure for me, yeah. especially because he was so easy. Right, with the knowledge of underground music and uh, so Joff he turned me on to a lot of the you know the, the music that I should be listening to. So finally, right, I found my source for Six World Music at this uh, this little underground record store. And what do you Yeah, so uh <laughs> I remember that I was going there kind of secretly and, you know, buying stuff. A lot of the old, um was on cassette, but I, I ended up buying this. And the reason was so I could listen to it on my little portable Walkman without exposing my music to my parents, right? Right, but right. <laughs> I bought this Skinny Puppy album from um and i remember thinking it wasn't too severe when i heard it in the show <laughs> and my mom she freaked out she just thought about it right and she was just like it's hell music you can't listen to that music and yeah. she threw the album away <laughs> I definitely think that um, like Skinny Puppy is at least uh, it is at least a little more appropriately labeled devil music than like metal music at the time that was getting a lot of flack. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Skinny yeah. Puppy, you know, was cultivating um, that that kind of image. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna well, we'll fast forward another ten years. So now I'm uh. I'm a graduate student. Off the boring parts of the 80s, right into the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where all the exciting stuff is. Like, in, the, in that intermediate 10 years, that was the, you know, the process for me of really solidifying my tape in the, you know, alternative music and the eccentric music. You know, I really enjoyed Zoe Franza. Enjoyed Quail. Uh... Aphex Twin, and but then also, you know, like the sort of like the the, the trance at the time that was out, and but in the mid '90s, uh, gosh, well, you know, it's hard to seem the notable early mid '90s trance artists, but but like but you liked uh, you liked and one or, or sorry, no, greater than one, and like like those kind of early sample based techno stuff, I bet. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And I have to admit, I still kind of do. Oh, like, there's, oh, I yeah. still kind of have a bit of guilty pleasure, right? For, yeah. for some of that stuff, even though you know, like some of the stuff, like you know, all that, Dyke, Oakenfold, uh, uh -huh. Sasha, and Digweed. Uh -huh. Really, really enjoyed that stuff. Kind of like sort of the last half of the '90s. Yeah. You know. So, so I'm a graduate student now, right? And um, I'm working in my lab. 
playing music in my lab and uh, this is like I was uh, not really too concerned about other people I wasn't very considerate of other people so I was basically like I'm just gonna play my music and that's it but because my music I know that my music is my musical taste is so impeccable and so well refined people are gonna love what I want to listen to <laughs> but I was also pretty selective to try and choose music right but uh -huh. so so you know I would like I would make, make these kind of like long mixtapes of like you know, Pete Man Luke you know and, and you know any other stuff like the boards of Kennedy you know some of that like I said like the early trance maybe some early the Goa uh -huh. trance and that kind of stuff which was pretty accessible and it's kind of funny because I there's another graduate student who joined pretty much the same time that I did in the lab. And, uh, we'll call him ACG, okay? <laughs> and so take two, respect his anonymity. Of course. But he was, uh, so he's a smart guy and, 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 and a good friend, actually, but his, his musical tastes were just uh, abysmal. He was into, uh, uh, well, I don't know. Teach their own, like a lot of psychobilly and oh. that kind of genre of, which is, you know, I mean, it has its appeal, but I don't, I don't get that either. I, yeah, I'll admit I have no love for that, but I do know some people that are into it, so I don't know, whatever. <laughs> this is this stuff is for fourteen, you know. <laughs> it's, this is not, this is you know not for the for the grown up too. Oh yeah, but I, uh, he started to like the music that I was listening to, like my playlist. And, ah. So increasingly, I uh, converted him, you know, into well the mainstream type of electronic music, and uh, you know, with a little bit of the of the sixth world music going on. It's kind of funny because I had there in, in so uh so for the you know for the less accessible the the more noisy uh, and abstract and industrial stuff, which is the kind of stuff I wouldn't playing you know for the rest of my lab that kind of stuff would be off limits but there's like well if one exception was was spk right and uh. so that's you know i don't really think i need to to introduce spk to anybody just so classic <laughs> pioneers of of underground industrial music i mean nobody does it as well as as spk so yeah. But, you know, I mean, you can't put, uh, you know, you're not going to put tracks from Auto to Fake <laughs> into, uh, into your playlist, right, for people <laughs> to listen to at the lab. But they did have this one album, Zaniella Manny, I think it's called, Songs of Byzantine Flowers, yeah. which was a real diversion away from that cacophonic and uh, harsh kind of uh, difficult and disturbing um, you know, signature sound for for SPK it was a lot of like a lot of classical instruments are in there, and it's like really kind of haunting and beautiful, really like well orchestrated stuff. And so I uh, remember including some of that stuff in there, and uh, that was turned out to be the stuff that that like the most. Uh, maybe we should uh, should play some for our listeners. All right, here we go. This is SPK with Invocation to Secular Heresies from 1986, according to this. <laughs>
So wait, did you ever say what your what your major was in college? By the way, you you're talking about oh. in the lab and stuff. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, okay. Uh, I get well. So my I have a dual um, major uh, in undergrad um, chemistry and physics. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. And- yeah, uh, my uh, graduate degree is in pharmaceutical sciences. Ah. And so that, that's yeah. what you do now, too, then, is pharmaceutical Actually, no. stuff? <laughs> no, I, I do. So, so, uh, so, so my, 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 my dissertation actually has very little to do with the work that I do now. So I'm a, ah. I'm a federal government scientist. Okay, that all makes sure. sense now. Very cool. Okay, very let's, cool. let's get back to that. Let's get back. Here we go. Part so. four. Okay, let's wrap it up. This uh, this act <laughs> takes place in four parts. Uh, okay, well, so that was the mid nineties. I'd recruited my friend ACG, um, you know, into the uh, well, into the world of electronic music, and he especially liked the you know the some of the stranger stuff like the the SPK. Uh, that was just a beautiful, beautiful SPK track that he played. By the way, you know, like his, his love. Love it. Never, never get tired of listening to that. So the last part of this story, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, I, uh, you know, so fast forward, say like another ten years, and about two thousand. Let's move it up to about maybe two thousand and ten. And I, you know, kind of like on my separate ways from my friend ACG, and was, you know, still. I'd like to make these music compilations that I would share with my friends. Uh, they were, uh, you know, mixtapes, you know, and that. Uh, not very good quality for the production, although I kind of, you know, I thought that the, the my, my musical selection was you know, second to none, of course. <laughs> of so course, of course. My friends are going to enjoy listening to the stuff that I prepared, but that's when I kind of got back into, got re and ECG and okay. kind of saying, well, what's happened in your life? Like, what kind of things are you into? And he's, you know, he's telling me about, you know, what things are things were like and how he had gone in this musical direction towards the one of the more underground stuff following up on the spk stuff and uh so i was telling him about some of the you know music that i had um discovered you know in the last like 10 15 years and he was kind of telling me about some of his stuff and as i could i didn't have no idea about any of the music that he was telling me about and it was embarrassment because i felt that you know that i am the person who is the aficionado of of alternative underground you know um music and now uh-huh. you know getting schooled by you know by my padawan learner yeah <laughs> what he did he schooled me real good and um so i started listening to some of the stuff that he had found and so i never really heard um like some of the really extreme harsh noise wall stuff mm-hmm. or the death industrial uh-huh. power electronics so he was turning me on to this like grim and, and neofolk that kind of stuff genocide oregon mm-hmm. and uh proper doll uh Tichuan, and these you know stuff that's really you know the uh, reference grade death industrial tracks more you know and uh power electronics was like wow Right, this stuff is, uh, you know, I, I, even if it was too foreign to me, I would never admit it. <laughs> and it was at the time, it was like this could take a little bit of work, but I, you know, I did, I did work on it and kind of ended up basically having a 
gaining some of an appreciation to some of this underground music, but it kind of feel like I was back when I was five years old again because it was hard for me to be able to get the sources of this music. But that's when I found this Six Word Music channel. Ah. And I'm looking at some of the content on there and it's just like, this is exactly the kind of stuff that I like. And ah. so on IW, with my, so my friend Al and I had started collaborating on these music compilations. We'd have about five years of these music compilations which got a good deal of it involved, you know, did the, so these uh, standout, you know, underground artists. Uh, so like I've like I've discussed, and so I started like putting a couple of these out, just sort of feelers to see if people liked it, and it got yeah good response, right? And yeah. there was a uh, very receptive audience with the, with six world with six world music, and so uh, you know kept it up, and could see that you know like like Tada was he was also very prolific and um uh well uh, you know uh, exceptionally knowledgeable about the world of underground music and you know so it was basically kind of like it just sort of like kind of built itself and built itself into this process of like submitting the stuff that you know the obscure music that you know kind of giving it a spotlight on music other people basically are doing the same thing and but um because of the the gestalt of the community you you know i think we kind of ended up uh, developing this like one way to look at it is basically it's a really kind of a valuable resource for the uh for exposure and discovery of other what could otherwise be some you know pretty obscure underground music oh definitely definitely like i've yeah. I've discovered so many things that i i wouldn't have ever found otherwise uh and it's like a it's a broad scope of of things within this this sort of genre all right so I just have one last uh, question for you, Doggy Styles. Um, I guess the the elephant in the room is, you know, what's up with the Gary guy? Uh, what's your what's your first kind of memory with him? What do you want to say about him? Uh, you know, in the last interview I had with Curly, he said uh, that he sees uh, you as kind of the whipping boy or something. Like, like it seems like Gary has a grudge against you. Uh, I know it's a lot of stuff there, but take it however you'd like. Uh, what's the deal with Gary? Well, well, what's the deal with Gary? Yeah, yeah, Gary, Gary, go fuck himself. Like, wow. That's what the deal is with Gary, that fucking guy. Whew. Tell you what, listen to this. I told him it's about an hour ago that I was going to do this podcast with you. And he's just like, no, he panics. He says, I can't. He, he really? forbade me from uh, from being to, to talk with you about the podcast. He's, he says, I'm a, he's afraid I'm going to uh, blabber mouth. I'm going to spill the beans. I guess. Like, Blab, but, huh? You know, what you what is there about? to spill the beans on? Except I, about, he's probably talking about Jeffrey Epstein being a patsy. Ooh. Oh, fuck. Whoa, what was that? Oh, shut up. It's Gary. Oh, uh, hi, Gary. <laughs> hey, Gary. What's going on? Uh, wasn't expecting you. Uh, just, uh, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't talking. How's it going, Gary? Uh, yeah, I was talking with myself. Yeah, don't don't look at the computer. Don't, don't, please don't know. Okay, okay, you're talking, talking with Chris. He made me do it. Gary, he, he wanted me to I do was, it. 
was just trying to. No, no, no. It was, it was totally you doggy styles. It was doggy Gary, styles. In your bindle. Don't. What are you. No. Oh, God, Gary. No. Gary, please don't. No, I'm oh, sorry, Gary. Okay. Gary, don't do it. No, Gary, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah! Wow. Uh, seemed to have lost connection there. Um. Well, now would be a good time to hear a word from our sponsor. Has your life of worthlessness, humiliation, rejection, and shame made your memories too intolerable to endure any further? Well, now you can spray your pain away with Gary's Brain Eraser Aerosol Spray. Each can of Gary's Brain Eraser Aerosol Spray contains enough synaptic solvent to eliminate an entire lifetime of fuck-ups, ridicule, misery, degradation, hopelessness, guilt, and regret. And its powerful degreasing formula will restore your squalid gray matter to a brilliant shine. Gary's Brain Eraser Aerosol Spray must be administered by trepanation, but if you call now, you will receive a discount code entitling you to 10% off Gary's Home Trepanation Kit. Don't waste your time like you've wasted your life. Call now and reboot your path to failure with Gary's Brain Eraser Aerosol Spray. After hearing that, uh, that commercial, I, I could really use some of that Brain Eraser Spray, you know? <laughs> Couldn't you guys? Uh, but it, it was a... Pleasure to have Doggy Styles on the program. Uh, I hope he comes back, you know? Uh, but I guess, you know, keep it weird, guys. And keep on Gary's good side. Keep uh, <laughs> keep playing that severed head stuff. And uh, <laughs> remember your, your brain eraser spray. All right, I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>